Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Post Questionnaire. 35 questions giving us insight into what makes creative people tick. We are so excited to welcome you or welcome you back to the Proust Questionnaire. Just as a reminder for our listeners, Caroline Weber is Caroline Weber 2020 on Instagram and the author of Proust's Duchess, which was a Pulitzer Prize finalist, an amazing book, and is hard at work on the deadline for a new book and was also just completing her term as a Coleman Center Fellow at the New York Public Library. So she's definitely been busy and I have just completed teaching uh, my courses at NYU for this academic year and I'm quite happy to have spent a lot of time recently editing Oscar Wilde's letters to Lord Alfred Douglas, which are going to come out in a new edition. So both of us have been very busy, but we are really pleased to host today's guest, Calvin Sun is an emergency room physician who's worked during the entire pandemic, during COVID, in New York City hospitals. A very trying and harrowing experience. And he's written about that in something called COVID Diaries, which he will publish as his reflections during this year on what it has meant to be a frontline worker and an emergency physician in the pandemic. But he's also the host of a travel community of a place to bring people together for smart, intelligent, and sustainable travel um, that's called Monsoon Diaries. So you can find Monsoon Diaries on Instagram and also on the web. And Calvin, who himself has traveled to 190 countries, is the person who brings together people who want to take trips to understand the world, understand themselves, and change their perspective, which is also what the Proust Questionnaire is about. So follow Calvin on Instagram at Monsoon Diaries or sign up and take a trip with him. He's resuming traveling now and he really brings together communities of people, like-minded people who want to explore new places. An incredible kind of initiative, I think, and especially when some of us are able to come out of the pandemic restrictions. It's just an amazing uh, place to convene and bring together people. So Calvin, thank you so much uh, for being here today. And we really look forward to having you as our guest on this episode of the Proust Questionnaire. Hi. Hi. Calvin, we're really excited to host you on the Proust Questionnaire today. Thank you for having me. It's excited to be here. We're really excited. So Caroline and I are here sitting in New York with our neighbor, Thank Calvin you. Sun, who is a doctor, a famous think... Instagram presence, and oh, a world traveler. That was an accident. Oh, <laughs> accidentally famous. Yeah. So you are uh, uh, you uh, the host or the um, I guess the person behind Monsoon Diaries yeah. on uh, Instagram on Instagram, and which is a website and a blog and a community and a kind of travel community for people to do sustainable and good travel. Right. I like the sound of that. I actually haven't been able to define it in the last ten years, and okay. I think I like to hear what other people's uh, definition of it and their impression. Um, it is what I think what people would take out of it, whether they come travel with me or live vicariously 
Um, but originally, officially, it was a, a travel blog on WordPress yeah. to let my mom know it was okay while traveling alone. Uh, nice. <laughs> That's so nice. nice. And I think it morphed into this Forrest Gump-esque community, uh, community where I'm like traveling alone and people started following along physically, like literally. Right. Oh, wow. And figuratively, I guess, people on my blog and then Instagram is the latest edition. Yeah. No, it's wonderful. Like I've been following it vicariously to do your travels. They all look fun, uh, thrilling, a little risky. I'm glad your mom can check in on you all the time. You yeah. do crazy things. And now we can check in too. Yeah, exactly. just to make sure you're safe. And you're a doctor yes. and you are just got a book contract to publish your experience during COVID, right? Yeah, uh, nothing's been signed yet. Yep. I've uh, been approached uh, to publish and uh, we'll see where it leads. But so far, all, all lights are green. So that's awesome. Now it's good. Well, you know, once the questionnaire is out, we'll confirm or not. Or yeah. Otherwise, people can follow you on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. And we'll start. And Caroline, you want to dive right in? First question is always an easy one. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Is that the easy one? I feel like that would be the most difficult. Uh, I think that the idea of perfect happiness is when you stop thinking about it and you stop chasing it. Uh, I think that in my belief, um, in all intents and purposes, everything that I've known so far, I'm pretty happy. I am happy, but it's not something I think about. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that when I stopped looking for it, happiness found me because I actually chose not to live a life of happiness. Mm -hmm. I think there was a time when someone asked me, would you rather live a life of happiness? I'm like, yeah, yes, yes, I do, yes, I do. It's mm -hmm. like, no, no, but, but you didn't hear the other one. <laughs> or would you prefer to live a life of meaning? And I was like, well, in that case, I would choose meaning um, thinking and knowing deep down that eventually happiness would find me if I just always endeavored to search for purpose and meaning. And I think that was the case where I think after my childhood, um, a series of incidents and traumas and whatnot, I decided that you know anything can happen. I might as well just run towards the fire, fires, um, choose discomfort, uh, not try to make my life as happy as possible, but rather try to give my life a sense of meaning. Uh, and then, you know, going with the flow, I think now looking back, I'm very happy. But sure. I think it's when I least look for it yeah. is when it um, really chases after me. Hmm. That's and, fantastic. I love that answer. Yeah. I love that too. Yeah. In a way that's very, I know being a medical doctor, you you may or may not be a big uh, fan of Marcel Proust for whom this questionnaire was named. Oh, Have you ever read Proust? Suffering, a bit, suffering is what makes who you are. Well, <laughs> and Proust would agree with you on that. And also, but I mean, his whole novel, I think in many ways is... In Search of Lost Time is uh, this uh, a man, it's the story of a man who kind of is looking for something that will make him happy in life. And at the end of the 4,000 pages, and I apologize, this is a spoiler for our audience, but at the end, he figures out what will make his life meaningful. And that's what he then decides hmm. to is that pursue. Well, that's yeah. convenient. That's yeah, so no. So in, in, you know, in a way, it's, you're, a, you're a perfect, there's no requirement of knowing anything about Proust to be on this show. But, um, but I, I love how Proustian your answer is, because he really, I think, does make that distinction. And we've got this amazing answer and our listeners got sort of the answer to what Proust is all about. Proust in five Save seconds. you 4,000 pages. Nobody, yeah. nobody has to read it now. <laughs> uh, Calvin, what is your greatest fear? Uh, the fear is, I mean, it, it's fear is a feeling. Uh, and I have, it's essentially asking, what's my biggest feeling that inspires that fear? Um, and we can be practical and saying, I'm afraid of insects and um, eating insects. Or I can go, you know, meta and say that I, I fear of insignificance. 
um, which is the truth. We're all insignificant if you really think about it. And that's why we distract ourselves with our daily routine, day to day things just to get by, um, to give our sense of life purpose. But if you really think about it, the sense of insignificance is very profound. Um, and I think is that feeling is not so much the matter. It, I mean, it's not the feeling that matters so much as the meaning you assign that feeling, what you do with that feeling. And because of that fear of insignificance, we endeavor to fight for meaning in that insignificance or fight for significance in that insignificance. Is that irony in which that drives me to um, you know, do what I do every day, knowing that even though it's inevitably meaningless in the big scheme of the universe, um, I you know, derive a sense of satisfaction that I'm still um, fighting for it, no matter you know how meaningless it is, mm-hmm. um, that gives my sense of sense of purpose. Uh, I think it's like Kamu is the plague, mm-hmm. Kamu is the plague, uh, especially the, what we're going through in COVID. Um, plagues happen, people die, um, and it's not about trying to beat a plague or survive anything. It's about just getting to the next step um, and just fighting for meaning within meaninglessness. Um, just to just even take care of people. I think in the in the lens of a doctor, I always tell my students and my residents, it's not about saving lives. That's like a bonus. Um, it's about being a guide for people uh, in their worst days of their lives. I mean, every day of my life is everyone else's worst days of their lives is what I used to say, uh, usually say. And, you know, to be a guide and I guess the guide along the river sticks, just to be, you know, there for them and to understand something that loved ones who are not medical doctors may not be able to guide them through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's uh, my main purpose as a doctor. Um, I'm not be able to cure everything or fix everything in one day, especially in a five-minute uh, encounter with a patient in, in the ER. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can at least get them to the next step. Um, I think that's what, uh, and I think that all that derives from fear: the fear of not knowing, the fear of not being able to save this person, the fear of letting uh, letting them down. Uh, I think someone asked uh, about fear during COVID, and and I had said that you know of course I'm afraid going in, but um, what is that? That feeling, if it doesn't create an action, that fear can make me not go in. I'm per diem. I don't work for anyone, or at least during COVID, I, I could have just clocked all of my shifts and said I'm not coming in mm-hmm. um, and not get in trouble as a per diem. Um, but I, I did the opposite. I I filled in for so many unfilled uh, shifts for so many of my colleagues who got sick, and uh, even though I was afraid, but I think it was that fear that instead of preventing me from going to work, which is reasonable, that fear was actually the fuel to get me to go to work. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to look back on my life and you know know that that's that's what I did with that feeling. Mm-hmm. So my greatest fear is my greatest I think asset. Um, courage can't exist without fear. As in, if there was no if, if there was no fear, they wouldn't be considered courageous. It would just be easy. I did yeah. this. Yeah. I'm courageous. Were you scared? No. Then it. Like then the, I would do it. Yeah, across the street. Woo-hoo. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's not courageous at all. But courageous is when you're scared out of your mind, and you do it anyway. Um, and it's not, I'm not saying just apply to everything, but like when you do it, when you realize, look back, you did it despite how scared you are. It's a good test of uh, you were meant to do that. What is the trait you most deplore in yourself? Uh, what is this? Uh, like my biggest weakness, you know, uh, vanilla ice cream, mint chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> uh, warm pecan pie. It's, it's that, I think. It's just the, the, um, and I don't want to give a half answer of like the curse is my blessing, the blessing is my curse, but it is the, the, the falling back on habits that you try to break out of. Uh, and then that in turn engenders that self-forgiveness that has to come with every time. Um, I make a commitment to not do something 
And what I deplore is that I end up falling back onto that bad habit over and over and over again, whether it is mint chocolate chip ice cream when I said no more. I know exactly what that tastes like or being a bad consumer when I look at a three musketeer bar and I say mint chocolate. Yeah. No way. And I buy it anyway. And everyone's like, you just had that last week. It's like, yeah, but I forgot what it tasted like. Uh, I love, obviously, I'm all a big believer to try everything once. And if you don't like it, do everything twice, mm-hmm. um, as long as it doesn't hurt a few other people. But, you know, I sometimes do the same thing over and over and over again, uh, especially when I'm hungry, uh, <laughs> just to do things I promised I never would do. But that also comes with a, you know, a grain of uh, not taking myself too seriously and forgiving myself. Yeah. But it's it's tough, you know, to be able to be like, I promised myself. And if that feels I let myself down. Well, you know, what is life without you know, a little bit of being, you know, inherently dissatisfied all the time? I think that's right. And also, yeah, the small comforts. Like, it doesn't seem like you're hurting a lot of people to be eating a little bit of mint chocolate chip ice cream every now and again. And... But this is bad. This is like every day. Okay. And, and instead of like, it's like when at the dessert, instead of like ordering one, I order all of them. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm using food as a euphemism. This sure. could be anything. Right. It could be like, you know, taking on too much that you can handle at you know, an emergency room or your job, not knowing how to say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. When all the opportunities come to you, you're like, hey, I'll do everything. You know, I'll do all of them. Yeah. Thinking that you can, but really as you go older, you really need to like prioritize. And, and this is ironic hearing from me because I have not yet been able to do that. Hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, maybe we'll have a reunion yeah. interview in, you know, 10 years right. and then you'll tell us how. Yeah if that has changed. Um, what is the trait that you most deplore in other people? Entitlement, mm. period. Mm-hmm. Then I have to think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Entitlement. Which living person do you most admire? Oh, like everyone. Everyone's like a guest star. I always like look at strangers walking across the street and try to create a story behind them. Um, it's very like David Foster Wallace. Mm-hmm. You get to choose what to worship, and if it doesn't hurt other people, why can't that be true? Mm-hmm. And I admire the ability for people just to live their daily lives um, despite all the distractions and noise around them, especially after a year like this, to just keep persisting. Uh, and maybe they're just, you know, getting by, existing. Um, and I want to shake them awake. Wake up! You need to travel the world. You need to stop doing your day. Do you? Have, does your life have meaning? Or I can choose to believe that they are pursuing their. Meaning. I mean, it's easy to believe that uh, when you're living in New York City, everyone's trying to chase, you know, a dream. Yeah. Uh, so you feel that energy. I mean, I'm biased from New York. Or trying like. to survive. Trying to, or trying That's to survive. That's the other part of yeah. New York. Oh, absolutely. That's true. Living your dream and also trying to survive. At the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, surviving and thriving. Yeah. So basically yeah. the opposite extreme of trying to fill both aspects of it and actually trying to do both. I mean, the, the previous answer is like, yeah. you don't have to just do one and get to the other. Maybe you can't do both. And I think New York can, you know, you know, marry those, um, those, the juxtapose those opposite right. extremes, which I admire um, in the everyday man. But I mean, I guess you want real answer. I've always looked up to my brother, um, older brother who, you know, took care of me, uh, Linus, and uh, he's 14 years older. So kind of a father figure after mm-hmm. my father died suddenly um, when I was uh, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, he already had his full circle with our father. Yeah, um, I did not. Right. So he was much more I mean, I think there's like a ch- like a book about like when you lose your father at certain ages. If it's much old, when you're much older, you already had that ring, mm. you know, theory. And you're like at peace. You already have closure. But at my age in the teens, um, something was missing. Uh, ha- has been missing, and maybe that's the fuel, that fear, that mm-hmm. courage, that yeah. that lack of father figure creates that just drive to you know pursue meaning for myself that I didn't get from my father. Um, and my brother has always been that safety net. Mm-hmm. What is your greatest extravagance? 
mint chocolate chip ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it depends on you concern. Is extravagance an investment? Uh, okay. People would say travel. Uh, I spent a lot of money. Well, currently, I mean, back in medical school, I tried to grade away that even though it's 200, it's all relative. I didn't spend a lot of money on traveling back in medical school when I first started traveling. Try to save a lot of money. And I would actually come back having made more money because I will accept like my apartment or um, try to uh, take out student loans, which yeah. I don't recommend doing. Um, <laughs> but I really love traveling um, in that it balanced out all the stresses of medical school. And uh, I think relative to even as cheap as my travel was, where I spent like $10 a day in Southeast Asia or five $300 round trip flights from New York to Hong Kong, mm-hmm. um, relative to my $200,000 in student debt I had as a medical yeah. student, yeah. that was my biggest extravagance. But I chose to believe that it was an investment in myself and now looking back 10 years later since i started traveling i was 23 now 34 so 11 years um it has brought back so many so much dividends mm-hmm. every interview i do every shift that i have uh whoever i work with there is something to talk about patience that you talk about cultural competence and being able to say i was there where are you coming from i have been there mm-hmm. uh it's just to be able to make that connection i think has uh has paid back more than the two hundred thousand of student loan debt that i right. still have to pay back <laughs> and we're going to put in the notes also how to get a $300 ticket to Hong Kong. Uh, yeah. That's oh, useful yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, just yesterday. <laughs> we're going to put that in the notes. As of today, <laughs> June 22nd, 21st, 2021, round trip flights from New York to Portugal right now. In July is three hundred and forty dollars. We're gonna put that in a round trip, yeah, yeah. all inclusive. Well, let's do a Proust questionnaire in Portugal <laughs> That's on the right. beach on just, the beach of Portugal. Um, what is your current state of mind? Um, right now, I mean, if you looked at me three weeks ago, I was like, you know, in transition, but now I'm like content, hmm. you know, at peace, uh, fulfilled. Hey, it's a good way to be. What do you consider the most overrated virtue? Um, overrated virtue. The most overrated virtue would be. How do you, what is a what is a nice way of saying self righteous? Trying to be so perfect that you think you're better than that person, but it's a, it's, it has good intention. What's the well intentioned version of self righteous? Hmm. That conviction. Yeah. In like a way, maybe yeah, like a yeah. kind of like an unearned conviction, sense of conviction. Or I don't know. Is it cocky? Oh, yeah, I want to say it's cockiness because yeah. it generally is a virtue because you are someone that's so good. But have you really touched the burner? Have you really touched the fire to know what it means to have lost everything and bring yourself back up again? Do you really, really know what it's like to, you know, get yourself out of the ivory tower and, you know, get down and really know what the other person did? And, so, you know, you pretty much have been empathetic up to this point, getting to where you are right now, and you've done a really good job, but that doesn't mean your story ends there. Mm-hmm. And those people who've had reached the, what I guess, end of their careers or the, the pinnacle of their careers feel like, uh, I guess, what is it? I think there's a great article, power corrupts or power, having power creates some kind of brain damage. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. If you have to power for long enough, you create brain damage in the way you don't empathize. And that's why, oh, wow. that's why so many despots, despots uh, are brilliant when they're trying to gain power, mm-hmm. military victories and political victories. But once they have power and they hold on to that power, they make really dumb decisions that's that's and lead to the downfall. Like power yeah. corrupts and absolute power. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like and, acting or someone like that. Yeah, yeah. Those and British guys, the, those British guys, and they knew about power. They knew about they it. They, 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 they wrote the book on it. In the 1980s, they knew about power, right? Yeah. Right. On what occasion do you lie? On what occasion? Uh, if it so, it's like the the movie The Farewell. All right. The, I I think that 
if the I, I think uh, Alain de Botton did a really good thing on Wendy, which is a recent movie about a family lie. Yes, a white a, lie in order to keep a white the, lie to keep for the some, greater good. Yeah, for the greater good. Yeah, if it doesn't hurt other people. Yeah, uh, it's controversial. Yeah. Otherwise, if it weren't, everyone would be doing it uh, across all cultures. Right. But at the same time, it does lend to some credence to why people, so many people and so many families do it. I think Alain de Botton did something really good about um, the philosopher who uh, talked about relationships and that should you tell your partner everything, mm -hmm. the whole truth, and not necessarily because sometimes that could be seen as a selfish gesture to yeah. resolve yourself of huh. guilt instead of protecting the person that you love. Huh. And that may warrant a lie or obviation of truth yeah. uh, from the person that is supposed yeah. to be the love of your life and supposed to tell everything. And that completely depended my world beyond a part a life partner, but it makes so much sense, yeah. especially in the context of the entertainment, you know, right. farewell. Right, right, right. What do you most dislike about your appearance? Uh, that I like my appearance and dislike that at the same time. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You dislike that you like your appearance? I dislike that I am not at a good place uh, with how I look. And I just it, be fine with it. Yeah, yeah. Way older you. than you yeah. are, Calvin. Just you stay with it for a moment. I'm very grateful for it, but also, like, it does. I'm like, oh no, I'm getting coffee. Oh, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> this, we don't have you on in 10 years shirt, and answer, ask that shirt, question. Yeah, the shirt comes off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do that anymore. Listeners, our clothes are all on. Uli and I, once upon a time, we might have we enjoyed yeah, yeah. being seen that right. way, but yeah, funny. not now. <laughs> Which living person do you most despise? Uh, who has the most sense of entitlement in the world right now? Hmm. I mean, I, I don't want to give away my politics, but it's kind of obvious. Okay. <laughs> but I don't even, but I don't, but the, the idea, I don't even despise those kind of people. It's just, uh, I don't care for them. Mm -hmm. it, it, can I just find despise like that? Like yeah. they are not worth an, a modicum of my care mm -hmm. or energy in the world. I just don't yeah. care. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And yeah. if and I can just say that's despise. This is this great. I don't want to give them any hate because hate suggests that I actually love them. Right. You know, I don't want them. Yeah. Yeah. You're giving them some kind of energy that. But despise is like I don't care for you. Right. Right. I'm very indifferent. Yeah. What? Okay. And Willie and I always apologize in this day and age that these questions, which date back to the last quarter of the 19th century are so gendered, but here it goes. Part one of the two-part gendered question. What is the quality that you most like in a man? Uh, the fact that they are not fragile enough to admit their vulnerabilities. They're man enough to admit that they're wrong. They're mm -hmm. man enough to admit they know everything. They're man enough to cry mm -hmm. and they're man enough to um, basically step back and let a woman in this socialization of you yeah. know where we're the right. time of this podcast being recorded is letting a woman take charge. Yeah. What is the quality you most like in a woman? Um, understanding that gender has been socialized, and they will not let uh, a lifetime of being told what to do or socialized to be based on their gender get in the way of actual decision making if it benefits them. Mm -hmm. Uh, so basically going basically against the entirety of society um, and then making a decision for herself, um, knowing that it's uh, moving things forward. That's great. I try to tell my students this. It's kind of a very short, complicated statement. I say biology is not destiny. Yes. But they have to really take that apart and think about it because I believe biology is true. Destiny is faded in some ways, but it opens that up not to mm -hmm. assume 
right. like you've been assigned to will actually right. confine you. And Baja can be changed too. Yeah. Well, well, Baja can evolve. Of course, yeah. we are yeah. changing it right now. Yeah. yeah. And if that's the possible, if right. that's possible, then you can change right. socialization. Which words or phrases do you most overuse? An exclamation point as the punctuation. Semicolons. <laughs> I don't think. Semicolon. I, love, semi- I love semicolons. I, I love semicolons. I think I do overuse it because I did do two semicolons in a sentence one time in a blog post and I'm like, I like it. Can I, can I make I'm this, feeling cocky about that too. Can I make this a new literary thing? Uh, double semicolons. But um, I hate the exclamation point. And I hate the word uh, really. No, not really. We all, I hate adverbs. Um, try to avoid them. Uh, but what's what's the word that I, I can't stand using, and I find myself using over and over again? Amazing. Amazing. I hate that word. Oh. I, and I say it all the time. That was so amazing. That was the most. And when someone does it, I'm like, just use a different word. Right. Amazing. I ever use that too. And you're right. It doesn't mean anything anymore. No, it doesn't. I use that word too. Yeah. Oh my god, amazing! It's so amazing. I probably already said it ten times on this podcast. So I think it is an expression. Amazing. That's fine. Yeah. But like to describe something. Right. No, use, exactly. You want to be precise. Yeah. Yeah. Like something, that's what words are for. And so why should we fall back on the cheap one that doesn't. Amazing is our exclamation point now. Yeah. You're exactly right. Um, there, I used an adverb. Sorry about that because I don't like them that's either it. and I overuse them. What or who is the greatest love of your life? Uh, I would like to believe that the partner I'm with is the greatest love of my life. Uh, we're putting up with so much crap. Um, I mean, I, I have to say that. At, at the risk of sounding egotistical or cocky, you should be your greatest love of your life, mm-hmm. yourself. Because if you can't reach yourself and your inner soul and treat yourself as a, the love of your life to be comfortable being alone, mm-hmm. then you're not ready to meet your other partner. Mm-hmm. Or other so partner Oscar Wilde of you. Oh, really? He said something it? like, falling in love with yourself is the beginning of a lifelong <laughs> romance. You probably said narcissism. It's the beginning of a lifelong romance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think, I mean, maybe... Thank you. And he felt it was deeply entertaining also. Yes. Because you can always discover new things. As long as you can laugh at yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I hope my narcissism isn't bleeding through this podcast. I'm <laughs> self-aware of my narcissism. But yeah, no, I but Oscar Wilde is funny because he's the master of irony. Yeah. He knew that loving yourself will be greatly disappointing yes. also so many yes. times. Like he yeah. said, there was no well, What guarantee. is love without disappointment? Then it wouldn't be love in the first place. It, yeah, you it's like that. your thing about courage versus, you know, yeah. it's got to gotta hurt a little. When and where were you happiest? Every, right now, I mean, like, right, well, like, I mean, why not? Why not? Right now, look, we're look beautiful view, and you your your this interview is literally a three minute walk from me. How convenient! <laughs> exactly. Of all the times to think about that, like, what what are the odds? And we're you sitting know? here without masks in a apartment. So many things, right? Yeah. Exactly. It, it we hope the technology good. works. Yeah, we're, we're, we're <laughs> yeah. not sure if the technology works. We're hoping so. But is that a non-answer? Right? I'm hoping I'm not no, it's a good answer. answer. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, a good answer. It's a very deep answer. Yeah. Probably yeah. no well, deeper answer than that. Also, the right time, now, maybe the time I've traveled for the first time too. Yeah. Yeah. Which talent would you most like to have? Oh man, what the ability to speak? Uh, being ling- pretty much a linguistics major, being able to speak every language, because that way you can understand people so well, flip in and out. No one can talk behind your back. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's a bonus. Right. That's a bonus. Yeah. But but seriously, like once you learn a language, you get to understand why people think the way they do yeah. you know the, even the way you say you're welcome in different languages yeah. or thank you you know there's like any expectations um another one is having no literally no expectations mm. i think that to go back to the first question what is happiness is to like not have any expectations just to be grateful for every waking moment 
Uh, and that's when happiness is like, all right, I can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. I choose you because you literally have no expectations. Because what is the matter? What is the Expectations. <laughs> that's I can't take it anymore. I'm going to get an extension cord. Sure. Process, but just giving you more. Uh, if you could change one thing about yourself, Calvin, what would it be? Uh, I wouldn't. I, I don't know any. I wouldn't change anything about myself. I wish I had. Uh, I wish I had a helicopter. Yeah. Well, that in your current have, state of not having a helicopter is something you would then like to change. Yeah. If only I had a helicopter, then I could travel anywhere I want to get to an mm-hmm. airport, uh, and I could avoid New York City traffic. Yeah, that's the big thing about. I often feel envious when I drive past the heliport on the yeah. river here in the city, and you see like gridlock in the cars and just the helicopters. Yeah. Oh, it must be nice. No, I mean, I mean that in jest, though. I don't want. I, I feel. I feel. Maybe that's the thing I would change myself. I want to be less materially connected. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to be less glued to screens like technology. Mm. Um, I understand its significance. Uh, I'm very good at it. Um, and I'm not saying I want to completely get rid of them. I just want to be a little less. Yeah. And I think I'm a little too attached to it. It's two screens. Yeah. Um, what do you consider your greatest achievement? That I'm still alive. <laughs> that, I haven't, that I didn't get COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah seriously. Wow, right? All the times people. I've experienced, COVID, like all these patients that coughed in my face and people died around me. I, just, I think my greatest dream is literally just waking up every day. It's like, really? Not me? Not yet? <laughs> but that's, I mean, isn't that PTSD though too? Like, yeah. oh my God, I still have it. And then like, yeah. I don't have it. Oh, thank God. And then like that just added up. You know, that it's like that scene from The Dark Knight where like um, the Joker wants to blow up both of the fairies. Mm-hmm. And it's like that human experiment. Is, mm-hmm. is that person? I don't know. I, so it was very yes. philosophical when there's like who, um, and uh, they both decide not to, but the, the, it goes past the, te- the deadline and they're just like looking at each other. And they're like, really? We still, we're still alive? And it's There's that, two fairies. Two People fairies. know there's a, a device on one of them and they and have to decide to... which one to go on and then they don't know which one is going to explode. They have, they, they each have each other's keys to blow up each other's boat. So they could blow up the other boat and save themselves. Yes, they could That's blow up and the save themselves and they don't blow up by a certain time, they'll both blow, yeah. boats will blow up. Yeah, Very, it's terrible. It's also so anti-philosophical. It's it just is, terrible. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's an impossible choice and all yeah, that. It's yeah. also sadism. It's all, it's yeah. a good, but, but it doesn't you, happen. But, but what you just said that every day you thought, you're still here yeah. during this last yeah. year. That's it's just such an impossible happen. That's intense. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's and, wow. in, uh, in the movie, they neither blows up, which is great. It goes against the whole, it, it right. really obliterates the whole philosophical right. argument. And then for me to logically believe to come back and not having had it. Wow. That is, yeah. My grandfather died of COVID. You know, he never left the apartment. No, Why him? Like, it's it's like. No, it's uh, terrible. Yeah. No, it's terrible what's happened. But Why it's, me? Yeah. Um, and therefore, why, why, why can't I believe? And that's why I'm the happiest now. Like, why can't I believe that there's some sense of meaning or purpose? You know, and maybe, maybe not, but that's what I choose to believe in. If you were to die and come back as a person or a thing, what or who would it be? Uh, well, I, would, yeah, I, would die, I would come back as my own son, my, my son, I don't know, my, my, my child, my daughter, uh, a cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, your cat yeah my cat uh just being in a in a position where i can be equally wondrous about the world um and I, hopefully in the future i don't want to repeat uh, <laughs> uh yeah i don't want to repeat you already know it all You're i already know it all. i want something sometime in the future um and someone that can engender some kind of either wonder in their own lives or change and wonder for others um if you believe in this karmic principle yeah where would you most like to live? 
I've been, I've lived in New York City. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been, I traveled to 147 UN, 190 countries and territories in the last nine, 10 years looking for another place to live. That's unreal. I have stayed in New York City no, equivalents. No, no shade to those 190 yeah. territories in other <laughs> Love them all. all. Love them all. But, but I, you I, choose New York. That's I just haven't. Right. Yeah, one to two days back in New York just hits that thing in the way that other countries have done for me entire months. What is it, do you think? Set energy and the heterogeneity. Yeah. The heterogeneity, sorry. The heterogeneity of just having so many different groups of people come together and make a beautiful mess work. And they're somehow linked, the energy and the diversity or heterogeneity, it's, right? Yeah. It's and not good. everyone's aware of it. Not everyone is, is able to handle it. But it's, it's that linkage is that it, it pervades the air yeah. that if you're an empath, if you're sensitive to certain energies, you will know it. I get it when other people don't get it or don't like it. It's not for everyone, but I haven't been able to find that elsewhere in other cosmopolitan cities. Uh, they're more like no offense to DC, but everyone's in transition there. It's a different kind of energy, great energy in different ways, but it's transition. No one's there just to like I'm going to live in DC for the rest of my life. You, there's some people who do that, but it's not in the same way as like I'm going to try to make New York, the, you know, or you know, maybe Paris for some people, but. I like New York because it also, we know what that is, but you can't get too excited because it's also so messy and annoying and gets yeah. in your way. So we don't think, oh, it's so fantastic. You can't feel it's super awesome. smug about living exactly. here. Exactly. So I don't feel like I'm not putting anybody else. else down. I yeah. can understand why people prefer yeah, other too. cities yeah. or places. I, I, There's a lot of stuff here I, in this chaos. That <laughs> I agree totally. Yeah. There are plenty of amazing... Uh, you see, let me using the word amazing. Uh, yeah. okay. I almost used it just... Some of the great cities like New York, but New York as a New Yorker, it's still that feeling. Who knows? I might be. What is your most treasured possession? Uh, my blog and my memories. Uh, my memories, essentially, we wanted to say, but like to have it in my yeah, hand, nice. to be able to look at my yeah. blog. And mm -hmm. I think if you extrapolate that, my entire diary collection, I have had kept a diary since I was six. Really? Uh, yes. Uh, it's just something that my dad told me to do. And I was like, sure. Uh, and and I, you've kept it up. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was like a little lock key thing with a picture of a cat and a piano. My diary when I was six, all the way up to. <laughs> okay, if you get your partner's your book, we have an idea the for a cover. Cat on the piano, could, yeah. yeah, it's literally like flowers for Algonon, where you just yeah. see me evolve over time. Uh, and then was, it. It so cute. black and white marble notebooks up until tenth grade, and then Zanga, which is still online. Oh. My Zanga is still up. That's from tenth grade up to twenty ten. Uh, so 2007 so years in Zenga, and then 2010 onwards is the Okay, well. That's also neat that that's something that your dad encouraged yeah. you to do. You know, you talked yeah. about losing him too, when you were too young. I mean, losing him at 19, yeah. you lose a lot, but it's kind of nice that that's oh, yeah. a legacy he left yeah. to you. Is it, that... It's something he did during the divorce he had with my brother's mother. Okay. Uh, he kept diaries, and then it was meant to be written for my brother to read. Wow. But at his funeral, after his funeral, cleaning it out, I ended up reading that. My brother never knew about it. I got wow. to see a side of him and I was like, this is why. I mean, I already by then I already been keeping a diary, but I, mean, I was still young. I was 19. I didn't, I wasn't in that nostalgic mood. I was getting, I was learning about nostalgia and sadaji and trying to feel like, what does it all mean? But now as a 34 year old looking back or like the past year in COVID, oh, yeah. I can just go back in time mm -hmm. and reread them. Or I would wake up and I was like, what is, the, what was that, that feeling I miss? I'm really interested in reading your book because I do feel this last year, it's very strange for me to reconstruct to myself the whole year. 
I get confused. What was April? What was September? What did I do then? Oh, I wasn't doing anything like, like this. When were we washing the groceries? When did we stop doing exactly. that? When did we That's right. stop washing the doorknobs obsessively or right. you know, worry about what yeah, germs were I... gonna be on my grocery? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. These weird behaviors part. and information and I know punctuation of when I heard about people, what happened to them. Yeah. yeah. But then they're missing up like weeks. What was I doing? Gone. Uh, mem- yeah. That's why memory exists. Why do we forget things so that we don't have to relive trauma over and over, right. and over again? I think that we, we've been evolved to where like we're supposed to purposely forget things, otherwise we can't move forward. That was a very traumatic time in our life, and we're, I think our brain wants us to forget it because of, because they want us to rebuild and right. move on. But you know, you know, ne- you we're also destined to repeat our mistakes over and over again. We don't have that living history, which yeah. is why we keep that. Yeah. What do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? Uh, this depth of misery is there's two there I think there are two ways that's coming through right now that you can really hit rock bottom one where you're so overwhelmed with um, external influences pulling you in so many different directions that you forget who you are that you become numb and indifferent mm-hmm. and then you just exist instead of to live so let's say you have just so much on your plate where you're trying to take care of others, whether it's a job or friends or people who need things from you for good intentions mm-hmm. that you forget what you need and you just fly by until it just builds up until you're like one step away from total just collapsing, just a straw that, that broke the camel's back. And the other one is just having, the other one is the flip side actually, the complete opposite extreme. Mm-hmm. People who uh, quit their jobs completely, all the jobs, and like I'm gonna travel the world and work on my next big project. And because they have nothing to work on, they literally just quit everything and have all the savings and everything, they're, they're financially fine. And they're lying in bed and they're just like, what do I do? And yeah. it's this overwhelming feeling of dread. It's like, I can do anything mm. and none of it matters because now in my mind, I can think about the universe, I can think about <laughs> the galaxies because there's nothing to do tomorrow, the day after. There's no coffee, there's not even a coffee shop. That's why people who are successful sabbaticals, I find are the ones who like, still have a little job in a coffee shop. Or in the library, something yeah. small every day oh, yeah. to like get them by. Yeah, someone who just quits everything without a guide. There's no guide. Like this is how you do sabbatical. They just think they quit everything. Yeah, and they just lie in bed, like paralyzed. But it's interesting because so many people, like Carolyn and I, teach, and so many people they say, "Oh, I want to get there. I want to do all this, and then once I'm there, I'm free to do nothing." Yeah. and you kind of think you very carefully try to listen to them and say, "Well, what what is it that you want?" And they feel they have to accomplish all these things, make enough money, save up, and then they can retire early. But they don't really know what that actually is. Yeah, it's I just getting out of the rat race. I understand yeah, that. Took the words out of mouth. That's the rat race is the death of misery. Like, but once you're out of it, it's they know that they're actually they're falling maybe into nothingness. Yeah. They don't fall into meaning. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like the Heidegger thing about having projects, right? In order to separate yourself from the void. Is that what he said? Yeah, <laughs> it's right? interesting. Yeah, you have projects. Yeah. 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 You have to have projects. Like right. projects are the thing that separates you from the kind of radical nihilism of just what you right. were talking about before, the sense of total meaninglessness and yeah. not the movie Memento. He at the end of the movie, this Christopher Nolan thing, he purposely at the end, spoiler alert, creates a lie. It's a movie about a guy with short term memory loss trying to find out um, who murdered his wife. And when he finds out the truth, he actually creates a lie point pointing it to an innocent person. So that he can give himself meaning again. Wow. Oh. He forgets that he made it up. Yeah. What is your favorite occupation? I mean, I think it means job. Yeah. Like oh. profession. Bartender. Uh, which I'm doing now. Oh. I, I feel like as an ER doctor, uh, you're a bartender. Uh, that's what I used for my actually my interview. And, they, and the guy interviewing me was like, that was the best damn answer to the question. 
And what I mean by that is, <laughs> I'm trying to picture. I'm trying to understand you're behind. Like you're a drunk. Go home. Well, okay, similar patients. Right, similar patient population. In New York City, yeah. Yeah, um, you're behind yes. a row of computers, just like a bar. Whoever steps behind the row of computers, uh, or your ER uh, yeah. thing security. into the, you get security. You, you can't step behind the bar. You got to move as fast as possible to take care of as many people as possible. Make them love you in the five minutes you have them, so that they don't have to, you know. Order another drink. You or know, you take care they of them have to moment. leave you a big tip. Instead of a tip, it would be press gaining scores. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's and what they it. also want something. They want. They, they everyone, really want. They something. all want. Yeah, and you, they all want to be You gotta first. meet them where yeah. you gotta yeah. meet them where they are. Um, yeah. And you can't move too quickly because everyone feels like you're not. Then people feel like you're not paying oh, attention. Right. To them. You can't move too slowly. There's so many other customers and other patients waiting right. for you. Uh, and then you got to take care of the same population, the down and out. Pressed the people who close the bars. Something they come to the bars and they go to the ER. The people who like, feel probably very angry that they're there. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure you deal with yeah. that. Like I don't want to be. No one wants to be in the ER. Really. Right. I mean, that uh, might be not true. Uh, there might be some people yeah. do it. That's right. There. Uh, and and then the boss of the ER. That's where my job now. I'm I'm the the bar manager. I just go around like, hey, how are you liking my ER? Give this guy a title on the house before he goes. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> this has forever changed my view uh, of the ER. And of I know. I want to go to your ER. Which one is your ER? Where uh, are you? I'll, I'll walk it up. The majority of hospital systems in New York City. I'm knocking so. on okay, the I'll see Calvin in a real bar. That's a riot. Thank you so much. Yeah. One of my jobs. And I, and I, I told this in my, I think in the, they were canned me. They're just like, oh, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm, I've been found. So and the you guy mean who, when you were interviewing for a job the, in an ER? The program director of my residency program was like, that was the best damn answer to the question I ever heard. Like, you under, actually understand. It's customer service. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same skill set. Uh, I'm the best job in the world. You know, I what I do my travel blog. I lead people around the world. You know, that's kind of a, just like being able to take care of a bunch of people. You know, that I just met a bunch of strangers. Um, it's a little longer than a night at a bar, but mm -hmm. I never see them again. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's like, how do you make the, the time you have with a stranger totally worth it? Mm -hmm. They will never forget you. That you don't have to see them again, but you know that you profoundly changed their lives. Mm -hmm. A bartender does that. Mm -hmm. An yeah. ER doctor does that. What is your most marked characteristic? Uh, personally, is that I'm decisive and I'm, I, and reliable. I never flake. I'm always a man of my word. Hmm. People know who are listening to this, who ever texted me anything or emailed me, as long as they weren't being rude, uh, I will always reply back. I always owe them that. Uh, that I've never left a message unreplied uh, to, oh, unless they're being a troll. Oh gosh, uh, yeah, that's I'm, inspiring, but also humbling because that's yeah. I, I, well, I I have that. Maybe that's go to go back on that. I mean, maybe that is something I should despise most about myself. I can't just let things go. Yeah. Uh, I have to respond to everything. I mean, I know when to establish boundaries. If you're being rude or you're being right. a troll or just just you know not being taken seriously, then I can cut that off. Sure. But more often than not, with every friend, with every plans, I've never actually followed. You know, I rain checked twice in my life. Maybe I can wow. tell. I know those two two times. Um, that was literally because of weather. Uh, <laughs> and and the mist. Monsoon. Oh yeah, monsoon. monsoon yeah, right. right. Um, other people would say that I'm pin opinionated and decisive. Okay. Just like it just does it and doesn't look back. I think that's not true. I, there's a lot of thought given to it. What do you most value in your friends? I love the fact that I have created this. I am so grateful for the fact that the universe has led me to a Jedi Council of friends. That my friends are all people that I've, I won't say trialed, but they've been through the gauntlet <laughs> and they've still stuck there, uh, been there for me. Um, I think the equivalent is having a former partner uh, that, I'm not saying this is what I have, but it's kind of similar to that of the 
a former partner that knows everything about you and you've been to hell and back and then some time has passed and if you come to each other's lives and you just love each other without expectations mm-hmm. and they know everything about you without the expectation mm-hmm. of uh, the baggage that comes with a stranger that mm-hmm. may be romantic um so it's the kind of thing like where all my friends have been there where we've traveled together we've had some conflict together uh we set expectations and then obliterated them and they still are there going to be there for me and the remarkable thing is that they're not all friends with one another mm-hmm. they're all in disparate friend groups of their own that's what I call the gender council. It's not like we are, you know, a big happy family. It's like they have their own friends and I'm just myself and I can rely on them for different things. Yeah. And they can rely on me uh, for whatever right. place I can build. Right. That's so. great. Who are your favorite writers? I was a big fan. I have been, I haven't read in a while, but uh, James Joyce. Nice. Oh, yeah. sure. Oh, it was just, James it was Joyce. Bloomsday a few days ago. Oh, fact. right. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Dead, one of my favorite short stories. Wow. Uh, and, and, I, and I think... Um, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and I, the comic books of The Watchmen, and sometimes uh, Frank Miller, the the style in which they tell stories also mm-hmm. is fascinating. I mean, it, it helps with the graphics, but mm-hmm. I call them graphic novels, not comics. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the narratives in which they project images. I'm a very visual person uh, that I consider that great writing as well. Mm-hmm. Who is your hero in fiction, like a fictional character? Oh, do I? Do I want to say Batman because I just touched upon him, but that's too easy of an answer. I don't think anyone said that actually thus far, and he's a good one. Well, why Batman? Or do you have? Would you prefer? Well, I, I think it's not the bat, not Batman per se. It's the Batman Iron Man types, mm-hmm. uh, conflicted uh, duality. We root for Tony Stark more, or he's more beloved in my opinion than Captain America. Mm-hmm. Right? Captain he's... America has that what we just talked about earlier in the early question self-righteousness yeah. he was like oh my god it's it's, it's infuriating it's insufferable and you ha- there has to be something else you gotta let up something whereas uh, Tony Stark with all his demons embraces mm-hmm. the actual what it means to be human and knowing that that dark side mm-hmm. can he could stay dark but he chooses despite everything that points otherwise mm-hmm. and that's for fighting for meaning within meaninglessness mm-hmm. He can be totally nihilistic because he realizes nothing means anything. You know, he could do any whatever he wants mm-hmm. to get away with it, but he chooses still to fight for meaning, even though that's the harder thing to do. Same with Batman. Mm-hmm. Same with those kind of hero t- archetypes. I guess you call them anti-heroes. I don't. I yeah, mean, you could. Not true Batman to that. I'm not being anti-hero. This is not Raskolnikov. I'm not saying like right. murdering people right. is nice. good. Yeah. But... I think anti-hero has to have like a negative. Yeah, but so, I don't know. Batman's pretty dark. Yeah, you know, and that whole and I think now he beats up people. Too, yeah, and the politics of it right. today too, of like the super rich guy who gets waited on right. by an old white guy. I mean, yeah, there's right. a lot that conflicted. Yeah, and not but, lovable. But I, what I admire is the self awareness that, despite all that privilege uh, and where you come from, you still fight for what is right. Yeah. Um, the villain, uh, the villain hero ish, uh, the father in Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One. Uh, I, I, seen that one. I I subscribe Sorry. to that kind of politics where he is the guy who designed the Death Star, which is a super weapon that destroys planets. Mm-hmm. However, he is the, also the same person, the engineer, uh, who installs that really easy weakness that allows the Rebel Alliance to destroy the Death Star so quickly. Mm-hmm. He's a realist, not an idealist. Well, he he's actually fighting the Rebel Alliance, yeah. but he's he's designing right. Death Star because not I guess as well, but he, everyone wants to kill him. Yeah. The, the Empire is not quite sure about him, but he's <laughs> right. the only one who designed a super weapon for them, so he does it. Not great. 
but he also installs the weakness in the thing to completely destroy right. the rebel lines. But uh, the rebel lines doesn't know this, and they're all trying to kill him. He puts this name mm. in the car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he yeah, with the weight on his shoulders and being do what is right despite right. You know, all that privilege, I think is, is admirable. Yeah. Because that's what it means to be human. Which historical figure do you most identify with? Mm. Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, that activist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um... He he was able to consolidate. Did you, have you seen it yet? No. It's very good. It's Judas and the Black Messiah. So it's a kind of black activist who's betrayed. Yeah, Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton, who's betrayed by a fellow activist mm -hmm. who sells him out to the FBI. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's this relationship between these two people. It's a really kind of gripping and devastating story in a way. Of yeah, I really wanted to recent. see it. It's very good. I, mean, I saw it on the airplane on the way back and I was jet lagged, which is why I don't remember everything. But like, I should know better about it's this history. Yeah. Because this is, you know, I just also saw Chicago trials. Uh, Chicago so, Seven. So Chicago uh, Seven, yeah. which yeah. is also kind of related to that era. Um, Fred Hampton was the lawyer for um, one of the one of the, the defendants in there until, right? until he got shot, yeah, yeah. Uh, until he was murdered. So, right. but Fred Hampton, I think I admire. I don't identify with him in the way that I I, I wish I could. Yeah. Um, he sought actively to consolidate um, different groups together and to, for the united good he saw that the dangers of a circular fire yeah. squad of progressive politics um i'm more kind of i'll let it happen if it's meant to be i'm not going to go run for mayor or go for politics i'm not really into that mm -hmm. but if somebody like forces it in you know my hand it's like you're, you're like i happened with covid yeah. like i was just doing my job yeah but i had the unique perspective of saying what was going on and people just really wanted to know and i was like happy to do it but i didn't like contact anyone mm -hmm. right. just like hey you shouldn't know what's going on because i didn't know any better and what was valuable i just was just saying what i felt mm -hmm. was right on my own platform sure. um and whoever wanted to pick it up would listen fred hampton actually went out there i wish i don't i admire that quality I, 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 but i understand i identify with the idea that me having my work in progressive politics so far before i kind of burnt out a little bit um i'm still involved is that i saw i always was able to see beyond the arguments i see what this like this is your arguing because that's what they want you to do mm -hmm. and we're still seeing that now oh, which yeah. activism is right which is why nothing is getting done in terms of you know progressive politics is that everyone has their own idea of what's right where he was able to say it doesn't matter so have to work together because mm -hmm. what they want us to do is to fight each other like a coalition yeah. of really unlikely people yeah. that's what you say yeah and i was really good I, I i did that a lot in undergrad and grad and my nonprofit to 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 create coalition building yeah uh and I, that was something that i had a zest for but you i know. think it's a huge challenge because it's it requires solidarity across groups who don't see that they yeah. don't have the same interest and you can't just put an overarching interest on top of them and right. say you are pursuing the same yeah. ideal right and also it's compromise within the organization oh, yeah. there's a woman i think it was sarah shulman who just wrote a hist history of act up basically an aids activist and she told me this one interesting thing she said we would meet on mondays and people would say let's go and protest at the mayor's house and let's go in the say cathedral and sit and lay down and do an, this and do that and she said and no one could object if one group wanted to do this, another group wanted to do something else, and they totally disagreed on the strategies. Everybody went ahead and did it for the week. She said, we have to do something. Talking about what is the best thing is wasting time. Yeah. And it was a coalition of people who couldn't see eye to eye at all on many things, but actually at the end of the meeting, every Monday, everybody had to go out and go, you guys do this for the week, come back next week. Yeah. And she said, there was no agreement. 
Yeah. And they said there was she said it was really pragmatic in a way. We just had to get something done. Just don't just do it. No, I arguing about yeah. what's the best thing was useless. Well, I always feel like parliamentary democracy is runs on that principle right. right that you and i'm always i always am ashamed of how little i understand of, of how that works in you know france or denmark or germany like oh the green party is actually aligning with the right. it's so fascinating to me because we live obviously in america in this bitterly and increasingly dysfunctionally bipartisan environment and yeah. it i i always love thinking about kind of i think i don't i doubt we'll ever get to change our political system that dramatically but it always seems to me kind of inspiring that you can have these sort of fractured interest groups but who form coalitions it's almost inconceivable done. for americans to think like you have some kind of leftist environmental party and the christian conservatives yeah. in alliance yeah. running a government and they might actually have to do something together yeah, or decide yeah, yeah. to do right. something together well so. i mean we've seen it with the vaccine uh anti-vaccine yeah. movement where the left is with the left and the most conservative are actually working together yeah uh, but at the same time i think we're seeing an evolution beyond winner-take-all politics and where we we just had ranked choice voting as of yesterday in yeah. new york and that requires you to work together. Oh, you vote for me and put her as second, or right. put me as second, you're gonna vote for her. Yeah. And that actually leads to kind of campaigning where people working together instead right. of fighting against. I mean, you know, Eric Adams was an exception where he kind of just like went off on that. But it does the winner takes all environment would take two people with very similar progressive movement, maybe a little different, to fight against each other yeah. rather than working right. together. Right. So I think there is an evolution beyond uh within American politics that we're moving something that's a little more. Uh, sustainable and inclusive. Mm. Um, the, just to correct on the Fred Hampton, the problem that I also didn't want to go all the way into that kind of level of politics because I just understood the reason was he was um, putting all that power into that one person in a top-down approach. Mm. So all they had to do was take the FBI, took him out, and mm. then it completely faltered. Where the it's the cult of personality again. Right? That's and I think that is a, that's why I don't think. It is a sustainable way of doing things. I, I mean, I try to identify it, but that's why I didn't pursue it all the way because I knew that was dangerous. Mm -hmm. And also, I didn't want to like makes me why why am I important? I, if they gave it to me, I'll be like maybe. But now I think what Black Lives Matter is much more important. I think that's where we should go to, where there's no central figure. It's it, you cannot stamp out, you know, something that's literally have gone in a good way, but never really viral. Mm -hmm. And there are great movements uh, in this country. Yeah. So you have within the civil rights movement, there are spaces for that. Within feminism, there are spaces for that. There are kind of civil rights movements that are not tied to one figure yeah, and, I think and that's one better. mission. I think so too. I think they get caricatured afterwards, sort of it's either Dr. King or Malcolm yeah. X. It's never quite as stark, but I think this yeah. idea that you would have a group that isn't organized around one leader. Much better that way. It's much sustainable. I mean, the narcissism in me, it was like, oh, I want to be, I don't want Fred Hampton. I wish I could be like him. Of course we all do. We all yeah. want to be that hero of our yeah. story. Yeah. What was it? Is it Kafka? Everyone's a hero, necessarily the hero of their own story. Yeah. But doesn't, necessarily. Doesn't mean it's, yeah. Necessarily. We're talking about heavy irony, too. Yeah. I mean, it's doesn't mean it's right, and doesn't yeah. mean that's the world I want to live in. But we, one can dream. Yeah. No, I mean, the Montesquieu says in the spirit of the laws that basically that when he imagines the three broad types of, of governmental systems are you know, democracy, aristocracy around royalty, yeah. you know, around some kind of monarchy, and then despotism. And the reason despotism doesn't work is because the power is all concentrated in one person. So yeah. when that person gets taken out, gets taken down, yeah. you don't have a system anymore right. because it, everything was just predicated on that yeah. one. Exactly. And you've got one person desperately clinging to whatever power they've managed to and accrue and power causes brain damage so yeah. over time 
Is, yeah. But does he say then it takes a lot of work on behalf of the people to also think for themselves? Because you yeah. want to outsource your thinking. To oh, well, yeah. No, of course. I mean, and, and he's not a, I mean, this is, this is a longer conversation. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, he's an early 18th century yeah. French political philosopher. And he was yeah. an aristocrat and kind of believed in a, a sort of balance of power yeah. between, a, you know, a monarch and then an enlightened noble class that you know had a sense of duty and honor and the benefits that they got from doing the right thing for the body politic uh was that it gratified their sense of honor and oh, kind of self-importance yeah. oh. so it's a self-interested yeah. it's a self-interested model but selfless selfishly selfless exactly whereas you know for him you know democracy is mob rule and that's terrifying because you have a bunch of people who aren't qualified to make decisions about how the government should be occasionally run. it feels like that i know no i've increasingly yeah in the last several years i've increasingly come around to that and then despotism is just you know one person cult of personality tito you know building something up entirely based on fear and violence and the other thing is if you have a system entirely based on fear and violence then you too can get violently overthrown. And yeah, right, right, um, right. so it doesn't, it's not, it's not a sustainable way of, right. but anyway, um, uh, what, on a totally different note, yeah. uh, uh, and I love your name by the way, but what are your favorite names? Uh, I'm not gonna say Ka'el, no, I'm just kidding, I'm not Nicholas Cage. <laughs> uh, names, um, I think my, my partner just uh, offered the name uh, Mila, I was like, oh, that's a really nice name. I like unique names. Pretty. Um, names with meaning. Uh, my name comes from the Latin word calvis, which means bald. So not my favorite. Oh, right. Like <laughs> calvici is a bald spot. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. But I, 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 th I think it's a person. Mm -hmm. I don't, I really haven't really thought of a name. I was like, wow, that's a really nice name. Um, come back to you on that one. Okay. Mila, uh, Kafka's, one of Kafka's girlfriends. He had three women he fell in love with was Milena. Milena, uh, Milena, yeah. I always liked the name Milena. I have a cousin, a niece whose name is Milena, and I thought, oh, that's after Kafka, and they said, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. nothing to do with Kafka. Nothing. One of what? my favorite students I've ever taught was named Milena. I like that. Oh, name. Yeah, it's a good one. What is it that you most dislike? Entitlement. I hate entitlement. I really just like <laughs> the idea that one knows better than the other, and that's what we saw last year. This pandemic entitlement that yeah. they knew better. Um, and they would make decisions for other people that would hurt, be hurtful. Yeah. What do you mean, like in the pandemic? Because wasn't there also, didn't some people need to know better? Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know? they, the people who needed to know better did not act that way. And then they acted in the way they, they thought they knew better than okay. all the experts and scientists out there. And this right. is like, well, I don't want to wear a mask because you know, it's a free country, right. which without understanding that that action can end up killing some random yeah. stranger's grandma. Right. Or let alone somebody's future love of their life, you know, right. like hopeful yeah. like, fight. It's just these, no, it these, is entitlement. Ripple effect. The idea, like I'm gonna. We had a, a delivery man in in Connecticut who actively refused to wear a mask, mm. and he was going to everybody's door every yeah. day because everyone was ordering everything. On yeah. you know, people were afraid to go to stores, and he actively refused to wear a mask. And I just remember thinking, it felt so arrogant. Like you're gonna yeah. go around to people's houses and cough on them and breathe on them and you feel like you somehow are entitled you to deserve do that. that yeah it's just this ubermensch kind of thing where like i i know better than you like my life is more important than yours but i think like if you can just switch that and say you know actually even what you can be even more selfish is to care about the other person yeah that you want to be more selfish you want to be more ubermensch in that care yeah. and invest in the community because once you're trying to get sick they're going to come to prop you up yeah you know and right. what more selfish is that when like even when you're down people are going to be lifting you up you could be the worst person in the world, but they don't know anybody. You took care of them. Yeah. That's very Machiavellian. Yeah. 
Yeah, nice. We see it. Uh, what is your greatest regret? <laughs> uh, I don't have any. I really, I feel like everything, I, I mean, oh, shoot, I forgot to do the laundry. Oh, no, I left the key in the house. Those are, that's it. That's the only thing I'm was like, ah. And I really think about it. I was like, that's not really, it's not out. The key's not out to get me. The laundry's not out to get me. You know, it's just, it's just, it's fine. Well, you don't it's know that. My laundry's out to get me. <laughs> so definitely. Rilke has a really funny language, really stuck in my head. So he says, there's a rusty nail waiting some, somewhere rejoicing at the thought <laughs> yeah. that you will step on it. Is this, is this a letter invest, to the poet? The, like, that poet, sounds like Kafka He invests the material world. He said, we never know whether there's meaning in the world. It may just be meaning. It's the key that you lost and left in your house. That key is actually rejoicing it's at the back. Yeah. It's ruining Calvin. It's like a little Pixar movie. And they're like, what? It could be my it. biggest regret. I should not let that key. The rusty Finally, he misses me. Oh <laughs> the rusty nail, of course. This is welcome. Yeah. And the next sentence is because death is part of life. And yes, we deny that. That's right. actually what it is. Yeah. This is so yeah. horrible. It really, I, I really wish I had never read that letter. Uh-huh. I love because that. I always I think that. there's a little rusty. I'm going to go back and open that. I have, the, I have the book in right now. Waiting my somewhere. Oh it's my God. That makes me so happy somehow. <laughs> it was meant to be. So you should greet, just exactly. like you greet death as a friend, you should greet that rusty now. I was like, okay, yes. now it's time to get my tetanus shot updated. Right. Blessing yeah. disguise. Yeah, I get there to go, go to your ER and be yeah. treated like a bar. Exactly. If it weren't for the rusty now, you would have actually gotten tetanus because you would have let it expire. You went gardening one day and you cut thing and then you got thank you rusty now thank you that's my biggest regrets my biggest friends there you go um how would you like to die uh fulfilled i like to die fulfilled i like to i always had this uh idea that it would some energy would visit me god or whatever you believe in it was gonna visit me like did you make the most out of this and i would be able to say yeah are you kidding me yeah yeah, like read my books, you know. Or, yeah, read my blog. You know, I it's just, I don't even have to answer that because I just know like I lived multiple lifetimes. Well, I mean, why filmmakers? It's a chance to live many multiple lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Right? They have a sense of fulfillment in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, That's an interesting thought because you think they they live multiple lifetimes yeah. with each project. Yeah, the story, way. empathy, and trying to you know. That's interesting. I think biographers do. Biographers. I think writers I in general. Yeah. Writers people read a lot. Like my late step grandfather Victor Ehrlich, who was a professor at Yale. When he was older in his late 80s, he said, I said, what do you do when you can't sleep? He said, oh, there's so many people in my head, yeah. including all the people I read about. Yeah. And I really thought this so interesting because he had a lifetime of reading. So he had a lifetime yeah. of stories. Yeah. Why can't that be true, though? Like, why can't we think that we live in actually a future right now where we are actually reliving the, with the technology we have in the future right. certain different lifetimes? We're inhabiting the things. We have uploaded our memories to some memory bank. And <laughs> here we are. Boom. Mm-hmm. We're doing this podcast. We just, you know, d- d- fifty years from now, we've decided let's do a podcast. Let's do a podcast. Two thousand and twenty-one. All right. What is your motto? Uh, depends on the situation. Yeah. Is that the motto? Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> my, oh yeah, yeah, you know what? Actually, <laughs> that's a good one. How I've gotten out of every situation is it depends. So many people ask me questions on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, I know how I get in trouble with this one, and I have to say it because, and honestly, it is the truth. It depends. <laughs> Oh, should I do this or should I do that? It's like, I, what, if I'm wrong, they're dead. You know? And I was like, well, it depends. You know, are you like going? Are should you I cross the border here? Do you have this risk tolerance? Do you have what depends on your passport? It depends on like, you know, tetanus with, shot. You know, tetanus shot. I have so many variables. I can't answer that for you, which is the truth. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. And, and my motto is it depends because the life <laughs> is that's very dependable. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so this is the one question we've added to the questionnaire, which is, who would you most like to hear 
answer these questions? And ideally it would be somebody alive. I mean, there are lots of great answers for, you know, we'd like to hear Gandhi do this, right, but right, like right. somebody who's alive and maybe we could actually approach and ask them because we're always looking for other mm-hmm. great people to interview. Um, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, um, AOC. 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 Would be great, I think. Oh, she would be great. Because she, she, I think she does so much work yeah. uh, that, I mean, she generally believes when she does, does she have time to step back and actually think about the meaning behind her work? Yeah, that's a good question. I worry that she's just, you know, one step, the next step, the next step. I know she's a bartender, she's a bartender, a bartender is another bartender. It all about is just mm-hmm. getting to the next thing, to the next thing, the show, and then mm-hmm. by the time it's four o'clock more, it's closing, well, that was it. Right. And you don't really think about like, wow, I'm making all these customers happy. I feel that as when I was a DJ, there was a moment like a stop in the middle of songs and like this is really nice. I never thought that felt filled in as a bartender until it was already too late. Yeah. Maybe this is the time. Mm-hmm. I guess it would be great fun. Yeah. So Calvin, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you for having me. Yes, we fun. loved having you. This is great. So we want to remind our listeners it's Monsoon Diaries uh, on Instagram and there's a, there's a really big website. You create a community of travelers. People mm-hmm. can sign up, go on a trip with you. Yep, right? That's awesome. The trips look incredible. Thank you. Uh, we look forward to if and when the book comes out. Caroline is Caroline Weber 2020 on Instagram for mm-hmm. listeners. Mm-hmm. Post questionnaire. We're also on Instagram where you can find us anywhere and we have a website and we'll put notes including how to get a cheap ticket to Hong Kong yeah. uh, onto the website a, for, for the podcast. An appendix. An yeah. appendix, exactly. And But also thanks for being here after a really difficult year. And uh, I have to say, <laughs> spending this hour, I'm totally inspired. Me too. Uh, really, it's like so much energy. You just have energy to give. And uh, if I ever have to go to the ER, I'm knocking on wood, I hope you'll be the bartender. I know. Yeah, you can come to the ER to I... give us food or something. <laughs> not yeah. Reservation. We bring exactly. snacks. Right. Thank, but, yeah. you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. To to you. Pleasure. <laughs>